Danny, thank you for being God here. Bless you. God bless you. Love you. If you're thoroughly stretched, you can be seated. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, uh, chapter number 30, if you would. Uh, Brother Jones, I, I, I sat and listened. I told Brother Aldridge several times that every young preacher needs to hear the message that was preached. Uh, I, I don't know that anyone here could have heard anything more important. You could roll 12 of my very best messages together. And out of all 12 of them combined, I think I could promise you, you'll not get anything more needful than what you just heard. A young man who says he's called to preach becomes a target of the devil. And uh, you, you would have been well served to ride a bicycle from the West Coast to here this morning. And receive that message and take it to heart. Uh, I would remind you of this. can't add one thing to that message. Thank you brother so much. Uh, but uh, we are told a little bit about the power of that lustful temptations in uh, areas of... Uh, those sensual matters in the Bible, uh, in that we're told in the Bible to resist the devil, the personage of the devil, and he will flee from you. But you are never instructed to flee from that adultery, or rather you are instructed to flee from that adultery. And that fornication. Because you cannot bear it. Now you, you. You're never told to resist that fornication. He gave the illustration. The reason you had so many of them preachers. Because there are so many of them. Uh, but uh, we're never told to resist. Never told to resist that fornication. We are told to flee it. You can't bear it. You're not a good enough resistor. I'm not a good enough resistor. We better, we better not think more highly of ourselves than we ought. I want to say thank you to the men of God who have uh, preceded me, each and every one of them. I've been helped by each one. And I'm just honored to be a part of this meeting. I also want to say thank you to the pastor and to uh, all who may have been part of this meeting uh, last year when I was supposed to have been here and my health uh, did not allow it. And uh, you were kind enough. You uh, gathered together an offering and sent it in my direction. I was humbled by that. But I appreciate, appreciate your kindness. 
I appreciate every one of you that have uh, joined with us in ministry and who have given time over to pray for this preacher. And I thank you for your prayers. And it's an honor to co-labor with you. It really is. Uh, This morning now, as you've turned to the text, I would like to ask this question to precede the message. And uh, I I have my marching orders and I'm going to do my best. Uh, The men in the building, the number of men in the building, I realize this is a Timothy conference. Uh, the, the number of men in the building who believe at this point that God Almighty has called you. Could I see your hand? Could I see your hand? My, my. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful show of hands. All right. You may take them down. Uh, I uh, counted a high honor. I'm not as old as Brother Wells. Would you? <clears throat> 109, did you say? I, I have 85-year-old hair, but uh, I'm only 66. I don't think I'll make it to 109, brother. But uh, I'm, I'm going to labor. I'm going to labor at it. Follow along with me in your Bible, if you would, please, in uh, chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Basor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Basor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and 
They made him drink water and they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, the spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, to whom belongest thou and whence uh, art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and uh, we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread uh, abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all... Uh, of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines, now the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all, and the Amalekites had uh, carried away and David rescued his two wives and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Basor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. I want to make mention of one practical point before I preach. And that is that a good leader apparently is able to recognize the frailty of those that he leads. There'll be many pastors, I trust, who will come out of this congregation of young preachers. And for those of you who end up with people that you find many times faltering in the way uh, 
and their life is filled with a great deal of difficulties and you recognize that they have many weaknesses, I'd like to remind you to go back to this text and see that David, uh, taking those men who were weakest, was able to find a place for them, something that they could do. Instead of just dismissing them as nothing and nobodies, he was able to uh, use them to make them useful for the things of God. Now the Bible says he took that 200 men and he placed them there uh, over uh, apparently some stuff. According to the text in verse number 24, they stayed there by the stuff. I want to preach for a little bit on some real serious stuff that needs to be safeguarded in our days. I'm honored to be able to now be probably at the forefront of some of you young men who are marching forward into the battle and you're desiring to honor God. And I want to say to each and every one of you that God being our helper, we can march together We can see God do some great things. However, it's going to require that there be some who will stick by the stuff along the way. The definition of the stuff here interests me. I think it's important that we recognize that this is a battle scene. David and his men are now coming back into Ziklag after probably at least three other military endeavors. They are tired, they are worn out. They find themselves viewing the the smoke and the smoldering of their own city over the horizon. That, of course, increases their speed toward home, only to find out that their greatest fears are then acknowledged. That, yes... Uh, Their city has been marauded, it has been overrun, and uh, their wives and their children are gone. They have no earthly idea if they have been killed or abused. Uh, uh, They are now broken men coming in from the battle. Now all of them are broken, and some of them are more weary than others, as we found out in the text. But all of them now are crushed. Then the Bible says they go on, they pursue, they try to uh, their best to do what they know is right. To go and settle this score and get this thing right. And as they do that, there are 200 of them uh, that now it's just been too much. They're unable to go on. Uh, This is a military scene. And the only way to understand it is through a military objective. Now they're having to place some stuff somewhere so that they can take the others who are able, dispatch them further out into the warfare. In that ancient day, you have to remember that they do not have these supply 
units that are standing by. So it's important that they have some place where they can deposit the rations that are needed. You don't have fast food chains in this day. You don't have the MREs. Or you do not have any of the supply chain that's coming. But men who are in battle are going to have to have some way to stay uh, fed. And so David says, men, you may not be able to fight, but we have a serious need here. Right here by the brook Basor, there is a lot of vegetation. We'll tuck our rations right up in under here, and I want you 200 men to guard the food. That's important. We're going to come back in off the battlefield. The men are going to stand in need. We're going to have to have some nutrition. And so I want you to guard the bread. You make sure you make much of guarding that bread. You make sure that you above all things, that you make it very clear that you've come into town to dig your heels in and stand on whatever that book says stand on. That you're going to keep the bread preserved. You're going to teach daddies to carry that bread into that living room to those babies. You're going to teach mamas to keep the bread fresh for those babies. You're going to make sure that Sunday school teachers go in and teach the word of God. Stay close to the bread of life. And you're going to keep that bread fresh for that pulpit. You're going to stay in the book. And if it crosses with the word of God, you'll cross it out of your life. I want you to stand here, he said. I want you to make sure that nothing in that church supersedes the word of God. Make sure you don't come to that pulpit with little stories and rhymes. Make sure that when you go to the pulpit that you have the word of God as your text. Preach it to the best of your ability. Make sure that you guard the bread. Serious stuff. When you think about how many churches that poor sinners walk into and can get no help because there's no Bible preached. Somebody's going to have to stand by the bread. Somebody needs to make it clear that if a sixth grader can handle the King James Bible, surely the preacher can. Very important to guard that bread. It's amazing how many will 
try to come in and dupe you with this and dupe you with that. Try to get you to sideline your ministry or soft pedal over here, soft pedal over there. Just open that old King James Bible. Beg the Holy Ghost to get on you. Stand there and preach it. Make sure the bread is protected. And then hiding over in those bushes is not only the raiment. This is a military maneuver. But he said, boys, you're going to have to guard not only those rations over there, but guard that raiment as well. We're going to send this other crowd out here. They're going to get into some hand-to-hand combat. While they're getting into that hand-to-hand combat, they're going to have their uniforms on. And they're going to get them torn. And if we don't have some raiment over here, we could have our men out there getting destroyed by friendly fire. So it's real important that we all look alike. So boys, I want you to stay right here now and you guard this raiment because this is some serious stuff. Probably more serious than you realize. Every temptation in the world comes our way to be the next little West Coast genius. Run around in our little golf shirts Flip around in front of our people like we don't know how to dress. We need some men who'll stand by the stuff. Who will let our people know that God's people dress different from the world. Still right to do so. Still right for a preacher to look like a preacher. Still right for a woman to dress in modesty. It is right. That that raiment identifies us. You don't have to preach long now to get their fur up. I just barely got on this stuff a little while back. And there was a, there's a woman in there. She got all tort. And I said, ma'am, she's speaking to me afterwards. Bold as brass. And I said, ma'am, I, I'm sorry. I, I had no idea. I was just shooting. I, I didn't know I was hitting you. How was I to know that you were going to get hit by friendly fire? You tell me you saved and you look like all of them down to my own. Why are you blaming me? I didn't come in here looking like this. I'm telling you, it is imperative that somebody still stand and declare that it is right for the church to dress like the church. Yes. 
Now for all of these weak knees that acts like, well, it, it really doesn't matter. It really does matter. It matters to the lost and dying world. When they crawl up in a church and they can go there six months and never be convicted about anything. I'm telling you it matters. Now I'm not telling you, you don't have to dress just like I do and you don't have to go to the same place that I go to unless you like going to the goodwill. But I'm just here to tell you we need to dress like men. We need to give it the best we have. We are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to do it in a sloppy fashion. I don't want to lower the standard of the household of faith. I don't want to shame my father that sent me out as an ambassador. Anybody can look like the party crowd. Anybody can walk like the world. But then again, even the world thinks you're part of the world when you do. We, one of the first things that we ever learned in 1970 when I got saved was that the church was different. And basically my old pastor just looked at me and he said, I don't care about your feelings. That's what he said. I don't care about your feelings, Tony. I, I, I was an old, I, I got saved out of the hippie culture. And so I told my pastor, I said, I really believe a lot of my friends come on in here now. We could do better if we give them a little bridge over troubled water. <laughs> All this stuff we sing, uh, you know, it kind of sets them on edge a little bit. Let's give them a little bridge over troubled water. He backed up, took a deep breath. <laughs> he said, Tony! It wasn't even brother. Tony. He said, I love you, son. I love that God saved you. But I was doing this a long time before you ever got in here. He said, now you follow me. I'm not following you. When he got through with that little message, I said, yes, sir. And one of the things he told me was, he said, now you don't need to be ashamed of your new family. He said, you came to us. You, you jumped in here with us. So he said, we're not changing for you. I love you, but we're not changing for you. Now the church of the living God has changed for this world. And you know what I'm preaching is true. And I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but I'm going to tell you as God's my witness, if the Holy Ghost crawl up in me just right, I'll preach it in the next modernist liberal First Baptist Church in Greenville. I'm glad to have a common choir this morning, but I don't have to have it. 
Right is still right. David told those men, he said, right up in those bushes over there are some rations. Boys, that's serious. We've got some hungry men coming back in here. I want you to protect that stuff. Right in there's some raiment. Don't you let those uniforms get in the wrong hands. We're going to put them back on our men. Because we want them identified with us. And over in those bushes are those religious articles that you don't carry with you into battle. You don't take them over there in battle. He's already been down there with Abiathar. He said, Abiathar, get that ephod. We're going to have to do some preaching. We're going to have to do some praying. We're going to have to beg God what we do. So they get that ephod out there. But you don't carry an ephod out on the front line. No, they take that ephod. They hide it back there. They tuck it real safely in there. Because they said, this is, this is our religious heritage. This is who we are. Now we got 200 of you men and 200 of you men are tired but I'm going to tell you what I believe you'll have the strength if you'll think about what's really important over here. That ephod's in here. I want you to stand here and you protect this. This is not what we do. This is who we are. We believe what we believe. We're not ashamed of it. God Almighty gave us this kind of worship. He gave us a free spirit of worship. God Almighty instructed us. Not only are we not ashamed of who we are, but we're not a bit enticed to be who they are. God Almighty needs some men who will stay by the stuff who will say this is who we are. This is who we've been. You want to track our forefathers? You're going to go a whole lot farther back than those coming out of that Reformation. We'll head all the way back to the apostles. And all the way back then we were establishing our churches right out of the church epistles. All the way back to then, we had two ordinances that we'd adhere to. We would baptize by immersion and we'd enjoy communion. We didn't wash feet. We didn't have snakes. Let them do whatever they want to do. They're not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of who I am. All the way back, God's preserved us a book. So we stick with it. We say it'll be all right. We'll, we'll, we'll let all of them go down to the universities and let all the intellects figure out what's best for them. But we'll just enjoy our Bible, our King James. And we'll let them accuse us of everything on the sun. But we're not going to move. That's right. 
We're going to stay right here. We're going to guard this stuff. If God preserved it for my grandmother and her mother and her mother, it's good enough for me. And no matter how they want to talk about it, no two books can read different and be the same. I don't have time in this message to go back with all of the... I trust hundreds of hours of study that brought me to my conviction about the King James Bible. But I'm telling you, it's all I need. I believe it to be the preserved Word of God. And I preach that in the back door of Bob Jones University. This is who we are. Our music is Christ honoring, God honoring. We don't hear pop. We don't have praise teams. We don't need a team. We are who we are. I'm not ashamed of it. I got hooked up with this crowd a long time ago. I found out this crowd had God on it. And that's really all I needed to know. Like my dear friend, Brother Alfred Willis says, I'm going to dance with who brung me. Over there in those bushes is all of that rations and that raiment. Guard it, fellas. He said, guard it. And then laid up in there is the religious articles. But also laid up in under there, we're going to place these reinforcements. Now they're out there now. They're, they're in hand-to-hand combat. Man, that's tough fighting. That's a tough slog. But they're going at it with them. Who knows how long it'll take? And who knows how many of them are going to lose that short sword? Who knows how many of them are going to lose that, that knife or that bow or that arrow? And there needs to be a stash over here where they know they can come back over here and there's 200 men over here. They can check them out a fresh bow. Check them out a fresh arrow. They can come in here and get them a new short sword so they can go back out there after it. And I'm just telling you, we have people that come in every week. They've been beat up by that devil. He's been beating on them. He's been ruthless to them. We send some of our young preachers out. Some of you men this morning, I'm telling you, under God, I love your fervor and it's good to see you shout and praise God. But the rubber meets the road out there. And that devil's real. And you're going to battle a real devil. He's going to be ruthless. He will kick you when you're down. He will never be merciful to you. He is no friend of grace, as Dr. Sotler used to always say. I'm here to tell you that every now and then you're going to get out there, you're going to get beat up. Wouldn't it be good if maybe even the home church had a little place you could slip back into? You come back in there beat up from the battle and 
Lo and behold, mama, would you look at there? Preacher still preaching it. Choir still singing. Look at old sister so and so, she's still full of God. Look at brother so and so, he's still shouting and praising God. And before you know it, they get them a fresh breath of that. And then a little bit, they say to the pastor, I believe I'm, I believe I'm ready to try it again, preacher. We've all had to watch what the world does to our people. We need somebody that'll stand by that stuff so that when they come back through those doors broken, that they still have exactly what sent them out the first time. If I'm going to be able to accomplish this, if I'm going to be able to stand faithfully by these things, it's going to take three things. You may want to mark these in your Bible. Verse number 10. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which was so faint that they could not go over the brook Basor. Now, these are just as much David's men as all of the rest of them. But they're not going to be able to stay by that stuff if they don't go ahead and be humble men. Not try to lie about the situation. Not try to put on a false facade. Not get out there and fall off your beast and be more of a burden to your army than... But they had to demonstrate some humility. And they had to say, David, I might be ashamed of this. I might be ashamed to have to say it openly. But I'm not the man for the job right now. And I just have to admit that. Now that takes some humility. People who stay by the stuff for the long haul are humble people. Humble people. You know the best preacher that ever comes through the land, he's not that blaze of glory that comes in kicking open the doors. Now I'm here, boys, we'll all have church now. It's not that great shining star that pops in. No, it's that humble soul that gets loaded with God. It says, I I don't even think I'm the total package. I don't even know if I'm part of the package. (laughs) Not much here. But whatever I am, I'm at your disposal, David. I'm at your disposal. The only kind of people who stay by the stuff are not those proud, arrogant, great lights that show up. But rather those humble men. Those humble men that realize they have a lot of deficiencies, a lot of problems, a lot of situations and they, they, they can't say it just right a lot of times. And they, they wait out in the waters. Only by faith. And they learn hard lessons. And they take hard licks. 
And they're humble enough to say, I may not have handled that one right. But now I'm not going to the house. <laughs> I, may, I may not be the, the brightest one that ever come out of university. But I'm not planning on sitting still. Now if you just give me a place to go. You just give me something to do. I'll do it. By the grace of God. Humility. Humility. Fellas. Right about this point. There would have been a temptation that would have hit some of these young men that are now fighting men are typically young men. Some of these young men, had they not been humble, they would have stood there and said, uh, David, I, I, I might be a little weak, but it's probably my, my beast. It's not really me. I have a better idea of how we ought to go ahead. I, I, let me give you a little advice. And David would have to look at that weak one and say, you're not the advice giver. You're the one that needs to hear me say, you sit still right here where I put you. And you're the one that needs to go. Yes, sir. Is that hard to swallow for anybody? Did I miscommunicate it? I'm telling you, we must learn to take orders and only humble people take orders. Humble people take orders. There's a long, long string of men of God who were giants that I gladly just said, yes, sir, no, sir, to. I didn't have to understand a thing they were telling me. I remember Dr. Sotler telling us, boys, if you don't have any convictions, you hang on to mine. <laughs> and I said, okay. Because I didn't have any. But I grabbed hold of his. Couldn't help but see how God blessed him. How God used him. I'm telling you, as God's my witness, humble men. Not that, that proud as a peacock preacher. Humble men stay by the stuff. Not only that, but verse number 21. And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Basor, and they went forth to meet David. I don't know what this does to you, but it jumps out to me that these men who have now been left over here with what many would say is just a small task, a, a menial task. They're not on the front lines. They're not going to receive those medals of valor. But they're over here Standing by that stuff. I'm sure that as soon as they got their breath good, as soon as they rested a little while and got a little cool water from that brook, I'm sure they thought, I'm ready to go now. I can go now. 
But they demonstrated patience. Patience. They didn't get up and go just because they felt better. They stayed where they were commissioned to be. They stayed where they were put. I couldn't tell you how many times I drove up on the first Baptist church of Conestate. I drove up on it in 1984, first time I ever laid my eyes on it. And it was a concrete block building, smaller, much smaller than what you're sitting in right here, and had whitewashed walls. And parts of the whitewash, as large as automobiles, were peeling off. <laughs> An old sheet rock or sheet metal steeple on the roof and it running rust down the asphalt shingles. I remember, Brother Wells, I remember when I, I sat right over here that first Sunday morning and they've invited me to preach and they're wanting to look at me as being pastor. You know what the largest thing was on my mind that morning? Now, you can be more spiritual than this if you want to, but that carpet was rolling up in that place. Right down through here there was a seam and it was smiling about like that and raised that far off the floor. And I'm sitting here and my prayer was, dear God, don't let me fall on my face. (laughs) And God told me where he wanted me. I came out of that service that morning. We couldn't rub two nickels together. I said to my wife, I said, can you find any change down in your purse? She said, what do you need change for? I said, darling, if you can find enough in there for a whopper, we're going to go celebrate. She said, celebrate what? I said, this is exactly where God told me that I'm going to be. I'm going to be laboring right here, right here, right here. It took them a month and a half to figure it out, but I told her it's going to be right here. (laughs) Right here. And I'm talking about God had just told me in a little closet down there in a motel room down in South Georgia, a good church down there. They had plenty of money. The church building was beautiful, and they offered me a nice package, and they said, we love you. And I said, I love you too, but God told me over that little motel that I can't stay down here. And he sent me to that little mill village. And he said, right here, right here is where I want you, right here. It hadn't been easy, and there were times when I thought I was going to have to pack a U-Haul, but all I knew to do was stay right there! Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. By the way, get this. They didn't just stay there until they got their breath and felt a little better. They stayed there until the king came back. Their orders were to stay by that stuff till the king came back. Whatever his direction is for my life, I want to stay by that stuff till the king comes back. <laughs> Amen. Third thing, probably most important, don't need a whole lot here. Obedience. Just obedience. Obedience. Most of us know what to do. It's just a matter of doing it. 
These men obeyed. Don't you know that they were thinking once they got their breath back? They were thinking, boy, I'd like to slip on over there and get in some of that glory. These are fighting men. Yeah, make my day. (laughs) I want to get out there and sling that sword a little bit with them. But they were supposed to stay by the stuff. All they had to do was obey. Young man of God, just obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure he's your personal best friend. And you obey him. He's your commander. Obey him. Obey him. God help us, each of us. This voice. This voice has already said more than I can say in the future. My days are winding down. We need some men that will just say, I don't have to be great. I don't have to be grand. I don't have to have a ministry that's named after me. I don't have to have my picture on a t-shirt. I just need to stay by the stuff. I am thankful to see this gathering of men. And I'm begging God, as now the old man in the house, (laughs) I'm begging God to give you exactly what you need. When you get away from this meeting, and you get in that little hurting crucible out there, when that church is ringing you out or when the devil is beating you up, my prayer is that you will learn there, not in here, but learn experientially there how to be humble before your God. How to be patient and let him do his work and how to just obey. God help us all. I love you.